There we go. Hello and welcome to the Remembrancers Retreat, a Warhammer 30k podcast. My name is Jesse. I'm here with Austin, Ryan, and Steven. Hey guys. Howdy. Hi. So, starting off this podcast, uh, let's talk about what we've been up to this week. Uh, Austin, you have anything going on this week? Uh, so, nothing directly heresy-related. Uh, I made a bunch of forests that should be Adeptus Titanicus compatible, uh, and then me and Dave got our uh, ridiculous deal on Aeronautica Imperialis stuff, which, for those of you that don't know, uh, is like a a fighter game that GW made uh, probably 15 years ago now uh, for like atmospheric dogfights with like thunderbolts and hellraisers and all that sort of stuff. Uh, a little closer also, to X-Wing? Uh, you could call it like a precursor to X-Wing. Uh, you pick maneuvers sure. and stuff with a deck of cards, uh, but there's still like tape measures going on and ranges and inches and stuff like that. It's a ton gotcha. of fun. Um, so I'm super excited to get that off the ground. And I also got, uh, my buddy Adam Levine out in California does some 3D printing of hobby stuff. Uh, and he made me some landing pads so I can finish off my, uh, Titanicus airfield terrain piece. So I'm super excited about that. Oh, very cool. Cool. Uh, Steven, have you been up to anything? Um, a lot of, uh, mostly repairs. You know, when you own an army for like three or four years, eventually a sizable pile of models that have chain swords snapped off and top knots and spikes and bits and stuff that just have to be, you know, uh, upkept or kept up, repaired. Sure. Maintained. Sure. And I've, I've switched cases on my armies probably four or five times, and um, I finally have one that fits them quite nicely. So the past two two or three weeks has been kind of taking stock of my word bearers and seeing what squads need new members built and what members have to be touched up and stuff. So there's probably about mm, six or seven new Marines that have joined the squads to kind of replenish combat losses. Uh, I bought gotcha. a... And this is one of the best things I've ever got. So this you could consider this a plug, I guess. But if you ever get a chance to buy a tiny set of drills for your Dremel, if you are of the Dremelin type. It makes magnetizing so much easier! Magnetizing, because <laughs> I, I wanted, I realized I didn't have enough trays for all the special support and heavy support marines that I wanted to make. So I thought, well, what if I just magnetized 10 marines and then magnetized all of the weapon options? And so I did. And I thought it was going to take a long time, but with that little drill, like, we're talking 10 marines get drilled out and magnetized in maybe the course of 30 minutes. That's pretty handy. Mm -hmm. uh, it was like um, it's like 30 bucks for the Dremel, and then I think $16 for the drill bits. Although, if you do mm -hmm. buy a new Dremel for it, uh, if you don't have a Dremel, but maybe you're looking into getting one, uh, for the purpose of these drill bits, make sure that the Dremel that you're buying has the properly sized, uh, I can't think of what it's called, um, Camille bolt, I think, something like that. It's the part that the drill bit actually slides into, and then you screw into place to tighten it down and hold it. Uh, the drill bit... Yeah, that, that piece. Yeah, the Dremel that I bought didn't come with any extra ones, it just came with the one size. Oh. 
And so oh, okay. I ended up having to take half of green stuff and just stuff it down <laughs> into the... <laughs> Whatever made it work. Yeah, and it did. Uh, luckily, it came off pretty easily later. But, um, yeah, nice. something to keep note of. You might be able to uh, wrap some tape around the drill bit. wonder if that might it's become... I don't know. It out, maybe. That's just me. Yeah. That might be something worth looking at. I got you. Yeah. Um, uh, for myself, uh, last Saturday I went to Williamsburg to go to the Williamsburg Muster. And uh, had a good time there. I met lots of new people. Had a really enjoyable experience. The guys down at uh, Hampton Roads RV or Hampton Roads 30K did a really awesome job. They uh, took the reins after I couldn't manage it this year, and they uh, did a real good job. Had a great time, and uh, looking forward to uh, next year. What was the format for that, Jesse? Was it? I think I read three games at twenty-five. Yep, uh, it was uh, three twenty-five hundred point games. All, everything but Primarchs. And you, how uh, how long was it to run those games? Was it like two it, and a half hour rounds? Yeah, that, that was about right. It started at nine thirty, and we we wrapped up around six p.m. Okay, solid. So, yeah, it wasn't bad. Yeah, it wasn't bad at all. How about yourself, Ryan? I know you've been busy. Uh, I have been busy. So on the hobby front, I've been getting a, a few games in. But mostly I've been working on my word bearers for Escalation, uh, finishing up some tacticals now and their decals. Um, I bought or traded for a very large militia lot from Dave Sampson. So this is a mostly Forge World militia, but also uh, a lot of Victoria miniature bits. And yeah, it's just a bunch of bodies, some artillery pieces, some ogrens, some commanders, some rogue psychers, all the goodness of a militia army, a traitor militia army, that is. So they'll be joining my word bearers. Uh, very excited about that project. And then I went to CK Studios, uh, the heavy metal uh, studio class they ran this weekend in Philly. That's the 103. And uh, spent the weekend with Vince Venturella and Cat Jackson painting a night tight. Uh, oh, that's that, pretty awesome. Yeah, it was. That was a really good time. Uh, you know, this is the second CK class that I've taken. I took the 101 uh, back in August, and I just for the the price you get a lot for the price um, of what you pay. I, they're just like really fun people to be around. There were. I think 20 people that were in the class. Everybody brought their own, you know, artistic abilities from ranging from, you know, mid to middling to really high-end stuff. And uh, everybody was just producing really cool stuff. And uh, I was most excited for doing the freehand. Uh, the second day was all freehand stuff. But I picked up mm -hmm. a lot of cool, like, tips and tricks for just different metallics you can do, different... Uh, OSL effects and just all sorts of good stuff. Is so, this the Chaos Knight that you did with the big, huge, like, saw blade for a chainsaw? Yes. Yep. Man, that thing's cool. I really, really enjoy the freehand on that one. <clears throat> yeah, so I decided this, uh, you know, in theme with having uh, a soon-to-be militia force, they needed some sort of centerpiece model, and I kind of built my narrative around a rogue knighthouse and uh, this 
knight's son who decided, hey, I think I can I can run this house better than you, Dad. And he grabbed his house carl and his thanes and took over the house and maybe sacrificed some family members to uh, the chaos gods. There may have been some war- yeah, there may have been some uh, war master encouragement uh, from a you know agent of the war master. But anyway, uh, this was going to be the centerpiece for the army. So yeah, I really went to town. I decided you know the whole thing was you figure out your paint scheme and then you kind of come up with some ideas on what you want to freehand. And I said, well, I want to try to do a chaos star. I ended up doing a big one on the top carapace and a couple other ones all over. And uh-huh. it's cool because each of the plates, you know, I'm going to be working over the next probably couple of weeks. As I'm getting bored of other projects, I can just pop off a plate off the night and, you know, work some freehand and finish up a plate at a time. And I might be trying to take this guy to the next level and maybe submit them for, uh, you know, the Nova Awards or whatever they call it for. Crystal, crystal brush, brush yeah. I think it is. Or crystal brush. Or crystal or, palette. No, they do uh capital palette. That's what they do. Capital palette, excuse so, me. So yeah, I'll see I'll see where it takes me. It's it's just been a lot of fun. And I never thought I would like doing freehand, but now that I've taken the class and gotten some tips, it's really comes down to uh don't be afraid. <laughs> Try it out. Uh, yep. what's the worst that can happen? And you know. Yeah, it was awesome. It was a really good time. Well very cool. Hope it works out for you. Yeah. All right, so uh, tonight, we've got a few things going on. Um, we have uh, Jared talking about uh, list building. And also, before we get started with that, we have Austin, who wants to talk about Militia. Engaged. I mean, don't I always want to talk about Militia, though? You do. It is it's true, problem. but there's plenty to talk about. There is. Um, so we were you know, discussing topics to, to talk about, and... Ryan, as he was saying earlier, got you know he's starting a militia army and got super into it, and has some great fluff and background and all of that. Uh, so he wanted me to kind of talk about that because I've done like four militia armies and another half dozen you know small squads and stuff uh, to just talk about theming an army and the various ways you do that. Uh, because Militia, despite it having the ability to be a super, like, whack army of just, like, 300 guys with rending backed by nine artillery pieces, and, you know, here's your third place prize. Uh, most people are in it for the, for the modeling, or they've got some weird idea in their head. And all I can say, like, first off, you can justify damn near anything. Uh, with a militia arm, like oh sure, definitely, and you can and you can get the provinces to make it work as well. Uh, so there's a couple of different ways that I've like thought about militia armies. To start with uh, the 24th, which is my favorite, and I've brought to know over the past two years, are because I love World War One and wanted to do a World War One army, and kind of latched onto that idea and just made it happen. Did a shit ton of conversion, found the right models, and just made it work for me. Uh, the other, the other one I have, so I have one that's Survivors of a Dark Age, uh, and that all came about 
because the Valkyr heavy heavy infantry that uh, War Games Factory puts out are just gorgeous models. Like I love them. I think Jason's also using them for his militia army. Uh, my buddy Josh, I think, also got them for his militia army, which is sort of funny because we all like latched onto them at the same time without really telling each other what we were doing, thinking, "Oh, we're going to be so unique. We'll have Valkyr heavy infantry for." Guardsmen with three up armor. <laughs> oh, you guys are doing that too. Huh. <laughs> um, but it's funny because even then, we run three very different armies. Like Jason shoves all of his uh, in land raiders, and it's pretty much a tank army that also vomits out guardsmen, which is awesome. Uh, mine. So, so I saw these models, uh-huh. and I wanted to do something cool with them, but still like a grimdark theme. So I didn't just want them to be like survivors of old nights or whatever. Uh, And one of the things I'd never owned, but always liked the look of, were the Imperial Knights. And I thought, well, you know, I can ally in a knight as a Lord of War, and that'll be awesome. And uh, that would provide like a good amount of heavy firepower and be like unique compared to my other army. It was like, I already had a militia army with a bunch of artillery, so why the hell would I want to do that again? <laughs> um, so, as a history nerd, I started kind of scouring history to see what would make sense that I could bastardize and abuse and fit into a grim, grimdark skin sack. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I came about with was the night, you know, Nighthouses in 40k and 30k are super proud, just like asshole nobles, and anybody that isn't walking around in a 20-foot or taller robot is a peasant. <laughs> like, Space Marine and a box dread, peasant. Like, Space <laughs> Marine and a Leviathan, that might be somebody worth talking about. Um... So I got to thinking, like, obviously a knight is pretty much a tank as far as, like, tactical doctrine is concerned. And a tank can't go anywhere without infantry, right? Like, it'll wind up having somebody throw a Molotov cocktail at it, and it'll, it'll get exploded, and that's bad. Yeah. So infantry support for a knight house has to be, like, super critical. Uh, but if a knight house isn't mechanicum, with just, like, Skitari automatons to cover its ass, like, why would they trust random Imperial militia or even Space Marines to, like, watch their backs? Uh, So that's what my militia are. They're from the same planet, uh, and it actually comes from an an old medieval concept, uh, the, the Vavasaur contingent. I don't speak French, so I probably butchered that pronunciation. (laughs) Uh, But essentially, when your king or lord called a knight to battle, uh, he wasn't just supposed to bring, like, himself, right? Uh, Or even, like, himself and a squire. He was normally supposed to show up with, you know, hey, you're also supposed to have four mounted archers, and you're supposed to bring ten spearmen with you, uh, and yourself, and, you know, your squire to help out. And so that's, that's my idea for the army, is that it's this knight's, like, personal infantry support, uh, because all... Retinue. Yeah. 
because all other infantry are garbage in his eyes. His infantry are still garbage, don't get me wrong, but they're a little little more elevated. Uh, so yeah, it's like that kind of thinking that can really take you down a super fun place with militia armies and give it a real, like, theme and backstory that, like, like me, personally, when I started it, I had, like, a vague concept of what I wanted. A couple of hours uh, trolling through, like, Wikipedia later, and, like, I, I have an army that I could talk about the background for for as long as, you know, any Legion player could talk about their, you know, oh, yeah, this is my Ultramarine's 144th company, and they were at so-and-so and did such-and-such. Uh, which I think, like, it's part of the hobby I really enjoy. And there are people, like, that I've met, like, oh, yeah, I really love, like, having fluff for my army and all of that, and it's just really hard. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's, like, really hard to make up my own. Uh, and it's not really, because all you have to do is, like, there's so many crazy things in history that it's super easy to just, like, have a vague concept of what you want mm-hmm. and just find something. Like, find some little hole of knowledge that very few people know about and run with it. Like, my, my other militia army, the World War I-themed one, is, like, themed after the, a German regiment that literally, to capture uh, a French fort at the start of Verdun, formed a human pyramid like, a 20-person human pyramid, and snuck in. And just, like, took the fort. <laughs> just, just, like, the dumbest story. Meanwhile, the French lose, like, a quarter million people trying to take it back. Like, it's the dumbest thing on Earth, and it's amazing. Uh, I also have a militia army uh, that's themed... It's actually a repurposed guard army that I've had for ever. Uh, but it's themed on the Sons of Sek from Gaunt's Ghosts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 30k, yeah, technically, like, that sort of stuff doesn't exist. But, like, there's a reason Cadian armor is standard, you know? Uh, Vostroyans are a very common, like, models people like for 30k. Like, there's no reason they don't look exactly like they did 10,000 years before. Uh, so, you know, you can do a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, the one I'm working on now, actually, is... So, Warlord Games, uh, for those of you that are somehow unfamiliar with Warlord Games, uh, they mainly do a lot of historical stuff and have a ton of plastic Napoleonics, and occasionally they'll be on sale. And I got 150 Hanoverian infantry, uh, which kind of look like Mordians with backpacks for like 50 bucks, and I'm going to turn all of them into a militia army. And that's just going to be madness. It's going to have movement trays, the whole deal. Uh, so there, just any anything that looks even vaguely human, even a Beastman army. Like if you like the Beastmen in Age of Sigmar and uh, want to play a real game, <clears throat> uh, but really like those models, you can shove guns in their hands, or even just you know a pistol in a couple of their hands. And throw them in a militia army. And if you do it right, like if you've got you know everything painted well, or you know passably well, uh, and put a lot of thought into your background, it'll be an awesome army. 
I've got squads of beastmen running around from, uh, I don't know, an event we did a couple of years ago where we all had to make a unit. Remember that? Yeah. I, 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 got, a, I got a bunch of uh, beastmen to come out of a drop pod, and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. I got to use that unit. It died very quickly, but it was useful. <laughs> it was a very good distraction. That's exactly, and in the fluff, that's exactly what I thought of them for. Like, <laughs> hey, the Munitorum has, like, beastmen units that get shot to pieces, but if they actually get in close, we'll mess somebody up. And the Munitorum also has a bunch of drop pods that are kind of past their best use by date. <laughs> and you'd know they put two and two together to start dropping beastmen on people. Yeah, that's that's one thing uh, you know that that has really drawn me to militia is well a couple there's a couple things to kind of play off of what you're talking about you know you have the legions you have a lot of people that play 30k and, and look at it as a legion game right and for the most part it is you have very you have a lot of fluff and narrative that kind of dictates what a legion does or does not do. The militia, probably along the same lines as Mechanicum, allow a player that wants to create their own unique narrative and fluff. It gives them all the tools you need to do that, right? So yeah, of yes. course you can, you can take some Cadians and make them Cadians or Vestroians and make them Vestroians, or you can kitbash a bunch of models and come up with some unique heraldry for a regiment that was raised, you know, uh, in support of your favorite legion or your favorite uh, campaign you know mine that I'm working on I'm looking at doing them as shadow crusade a shadow crusade regiment that is the remnants of many other imperial regiments that over time have been taken you know atrocious casualties so I'm going to have you know some catechins in there which are just old models that I had I'm going to have all these forge world Mm -hmm. cult militia dudes that's going to be the core of the army there's going to be some of the um, Victoria miniature Highlanders. It's going to be like an elite Grenadier squad that's the remnants of a Highlander regiment. There's going to be some heavy siege uh, ladies that are going to be on my artillery pieces, right? And it's they are all under cool. one commander that's that's rallied them and been given the resources based off of the atrocities he's done in the Warmaster's name. He's been actually been given a little bit of Freedom, which is unusual for a militia commander, to go wreak havoc in the name of the word bearers. So, you know, you can you can find something that you like in the heresy or that you haven't seen expanded upon, and then build upon it yourself. And there's so much, you know, just like when we create these events in different sectors, um, there's so much leeway to do it, and it's you're really just limited by your own creativity. That's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see that. And I I especially like Militia because, like, alright, the Horus Heresy is a marine war. The Primarch started it. Uh, But, like, at best, I think it's something like three to five million Astartes participated in the Heresy. You know, just, like, attrition and recruiting and all of that. Maybe, generously, five million Astartes. There was about a trillion human infantry, and like humans involved in this war. A trillion, you know, solar oxys and imperial army. And that's, 
like nobody talks about it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like think about World War Two. Like how many like tens of like what 120 million people died in World War Two? All up. Every single planet that partic- like had action during the Horus Heresy. Like that's probably a good like round number to pin down as far as casualties go. It's like, you know, yeah, you might have an aggro world with like half a million people getting into a fight, but you'll also have a hive world with like a hundred billion people doing it. So like you start doing that kind of math, I'm like, Jesus. Like why are there not more Imperial militia models? You know? Right. But anyway, yeah, so I, I like it. And they're great for uh events, right? Just having unit filler for events. Sure. And people love playing against them. Because even when you lose to militia, you are guaranteed to kill more models than you put on the table. <laughs> so I, I also have a, play, a space wolf army, and I play them a lot. But the thing that chills my heart the most when I see somebody posting, like, oh yeah, I just bought this new like unit for my 30k army. It's a freaking heavy support squad full of rotor cannons. God, do I hate rotor cannons. Murdering my ploy. Murdering my poor militia. It's because the rotor cannon feel like it personal. Like, people bring Volkite for other things, <laughs> but I know if you just bought a 10-man rotor squad, like, you're coming for it. Like, <laughs> There's only one reason those things are out there. Yeah. And that's like, for killing mortals. All three kits of rotor cannons that have been sold are for people that play mili- against militia. Uh, but I will say that, like, and this is pure bias talk, the most fun I've had playing 30k has been militia on militia matches. Like, I, I don't really know why, because I've played bolt action, and this is, you know, it's just laser action. Um, <laughs> but, like, I did not really enjoy my bolt action experience, but this, is, this gets hilarious. Austin, I got a uh, quick question. Hmm. Let's say I wanted to create a militia army of Calibanite knights before the coming of the Emperor and whatnot. Uh, Survivors of the Dark Age, definitely, because it mentions that they have rudimentary power armor and bolters. Mm -hmm. Um, What would be a good second providence to take to complete that up? Um, I would go with... Probably uh, tainted flesh. I would go... (laughs) right? Because they're all fucking <laughs> um, Warrior Elite, if you wanted to stay super fluffy, which would get them good. a solid uh, leadership bonus across. Or if mm-hmm. you wanted to represent uh, the fact that and I'm not... Well, like they've, they've got a good amount of close combat capability. Uh, so maybe also uh, Feral Warriors for the extra mm. weapon skill. Mm-hmm. And then you could buy... Like, I don't think for that particular like fluff theme I would buy them an extra attack, but, you know, maybe. Um, and, yeah, just run a ton of grenadiers and maybe some, uh, like, aspirants, right? Yeah. Of regular line Definitely. troops with just, like, pistols and close combat weapons and go to town on it. Uh, mm-hmm. Do... 
Yeah. Maybe get some old fashioned. <laughs> I like, hear the gears turning. Yeah. Like, do, uh. So, in World War One, I, I, I should you not, um, this is like the winter of 1914, right? So trenches are a thing, but nobody really knows why or how or what trenches sure. are actually doing. There was actually a professor of history in the British Army, uh, who I think was a major, but might have just been a captain. Uh, and, you know, he's in a trench, and mortars aren't really a thing. Uh, they've kind of fallen out of favor in the past hundred years. Uh, so there aren't a lot of mortars. So he builds a trebuchet. <laughs> and uses it, and it kind of works. And he flings bags of grenades with this trebuchet in his <laughs> trench. Uh, so, like, you know, word of this gets around, and another battalion tries to do it. And, like, trebuchet, like, that's old tech. You still need to know what you're doing. Look, long story short, it did not work for them. Uh, mm. And they may have accidentally blown up their own trebuchet. Um, but maybe something like that, like a pneumatic catapult or trebuchet or something. Yeah, um, yeah. And use them as either quad mortars or the emplaced artillery. Um, I don't know if I would mechanize them or not. Actually, no, I would not mechanize them. What no. I would do is also take uh, Augrin. Because uh -huh. in the militia list, it very explicitly states that the Augrin unit selection really is just anything that's big and nasty. Like giant sure. cats, shitty robots, anything. I would do them as the mounted guys from yeah, Caliban. Yeah. Like, they are all riding on like crazy demon horses trying to be heroes. Because so there's, no, um, there's no Rough Riders in Militia, no, right? No, and my heart, my heart bleeds. There is no Rough Riders. Gotcha. GW, Duncan, I pray you. <laughs> I Give me back my Rough Riders. So, so yeah, man, I... I'd do that, and I think that would actually be a fairly effective arm. Uh, yeah, I like the. I'd really do like the idea of mounts because augrins weren't really a thing, obviously, on Caliban. But yeah, use the augrin as mounted. That actually works out pretty well. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. So, uh, listeners, if you've got any other random militia armies you want to build and care about my opinion at all, I I love doing this sort of stuff. Finding a theme and then finding a way to make it work through a militia. Um, Love it. Yeah. I'd also be really interested to go back to Steven's Infinite Time and Money uh, to do a Geno 5-2 Chiliad, which are <laughs> the kind of main characters from... In Legion, right? In Legion, yeah. Uh, yeah. And do up a unit, an army of them using uh, Vostroya models as the base and you know, mm -hmm. sculpting cloaks and spiky hats and the whole nine yards. I think that'd be a lot of fun. If you're in the Maryland area, it's still not too late to join the 2019 Escalation League. This league began on the 1st of January and will run through the 11th of April. Each month, participants will pledge 500 points of unpainted models to add to their force. Players will have the calendar month to fully paint and base their 500 points and will earn points for doing so. Emphasis should be placed on doing your best for your skill level. It is not expected that everyone will have competition-level painted miniatures. Everyone is at different skill levels, and the organizers just want to see an honest effort in creating a great-looking army that you are proud to play with. 
Players will also earn points for each game that they play with their fully painted force, 500 points in January, 1,000 points in February, and 1,500 points in March. At the end of the league, the players with the most points will be eligible to win a prize. There is no entry fee to participate. Check out Maryland30k on Facebook for the full details. On March 30th of 2019, we have Vengeance in the Void. The galaxy burns, war has spread to all reaches of the Imperium, an orbital platform used by traitor fleets as a rearm and refit center has come under attack by splinter cells of loyalist forces. This game day event, players will play three 1250-point zone mortalis games. Players will face off between loyalist and traitor. This is a fully painted event, the entry fee is $10, and it will be held at Battlegrounds in Midlothian, Virginia. Check out Remembrancer's Retreat on Facebook for more details on the event. For those of you in the Texas area, the Lone Star Legion presents Paradise Lost, a three-day Age of Darkness narrative event at the Dallas Open GT being held at the Grapevine Convention Center on April 12th through 14th. The cost is $55. There will be a 1,000-point Zone Mortalis and 1,500-point Centurion Battles on Friday, 2,500 or 3,000-point Frontline Games on Saturday, and a Mega Battle event for all your big toys on Sunday. Bring your forces to Texas to decide the fate of the Sorta system and its Archaeotech vaults. Special characters are allowed, and a character advancement system will be in place for those who take generic characters. Hey guys, it's Jared here. We got another segment of Ruminations. Uh, today we're going to be talking more list building, but in particular uh, incorporating militia into your list, either as allied detachments or... Uh, incorporating allied detachments into a already existing militia list. Um, these are list builds of either drawing from the fluff, or maybe I found uh, certain flaws in uh, some army designs that maybe could be benefited by the presence of militia. So we're just going to get right into it. Uh, this first list we're going to talk about is an army of dark compliance. Those are found in book six. I believe it's called Retribution. Um, it's a traitor-only uh, army theme that specializes in basically combining a Legiones Astartes force and militia. So they basically share a force organization chart instead of an allied matrix. It, it lets you blend the two uh, different forces together in a lot more cohesive way. Um, it has certain drawbacks. The uh, Space Marines in said detachment cannot take a right of war. There's certain limitations. But the added firepower and bodies of militia more than make up for them, in my opinion. So we'll get right into it. Um, this first list is a Word Bearers militia list. So uh, it's headed up by Zardu Layak. And it's funny, since writing this list, both... Ryan and Robbie have started making uh, armies of their own based around Zardu Layak and incorporating uh, different militia themes into it. So I'll just start going right down the list here. Uh, starting with Zardu Layak, he is your warlord. And as we've discussed before, he's a, a pretty interesting character in that he has zealot. Um, he is a mastery level two psyker. He gives access to the, uh, um, I think it's called Dark Brethren, or Dark Channeling, sorry, uh, the little boosts 
for uh, word bearers. So he has a lot of powers, but also he's only got a force staff. So in close combat, you know, he's swinging with an AP4 weapon, so he is still at risk from your tactical sergeants with a power fist and the like. But he has that lovely option of taking uh, blade slaves as a retinue. And as we all know from the uh, just-released FAQ, they now have chosen warriors, so they are considered his command squad, basically, and can accept challenges in his stead. And they are far more intimidating than he is in close combat. So we've got Zardu Laic, we've got his blade slaves accompanying him. Uh, our other HQ choice is going to be just your basic chaplain with uh, melt-a-bombs and a combat shield. Dirt cheap, but very effective HQ choice at 95 points. Um, now, another nifty thing that I didn't know until recently about Zardu Laic is he makes Ashen Circle Squad's troop choices. And if, if you've listened to our uh, FAQ episode, you'd know that uh, Ashen Circle Squad's just got a huge bonus in that their axes now are AP3 and they still swing at initiative. And with access to dark channeling, these guys are have a 50% chance of getting Zealot. They can get plus one strength. They're, they're a very, very nasty unit. And uh, I think we're going to see a lot more of them on the table, and I'm very excited for that. Uh, so in our troop slash elite squad, we've got uh, two Ashen Circle squads, both 10-man squads with dark channeling. Um, I gave them three power axes just for that AP2, but really, if you want to save the points with... Uh, the bonus they just got, that's not really necessary. If you, That would save you 30 points if you feel like it. Uh, Melt-a-bombs on the sergeant and artificer armor on the sergeant as well. So these are a, a fast, hard-hitting unit. Um, that's also likely going to stick around for a while. Um, now going through the uh, militia units here. We're going to start with our force commander. And for his provenances... You'll take Cult Horde and Feral Warriors. So Cult Horde is your generic massed infantry, you know, your disposable guys. Uh, you know, models-wise, it's your pox walkers, it's your, your uh, fantasy flagellants. Um, these are your disposable infantry, you know, in the fluff, they're the, the mechanics, the civilians, the farmers, the guys who aren't full-time soldiers who just get brainwashed and pressed into service by the ruinous powers. Um, and Feral Warriors is a nice buff as well for them, because Cold Horde gives you Hatred and Stubborn, which is a nice uh, bonus, but uh, Feral Warriors can give you plus one attack with the Blade and Fury upgrade. Um, your Force Commander will have a Tainted Weapon and Melt-a-Bombs, and all in all, for 130 points, that's a pretty effective loadout. Um, one thing about these uh, allied detachments in the Army of Dark Compliance is uh, they can get pretty expensive points-wise very quickly. So this is a 3,000-point list, so I tried to, to pare down um, the units as much as possible, not take as much fancy war gear as I normally would. So filling out the uh, troop slots on the militia side, we have three inducted levy squads, and these are all maxed out at 50 bodies. They each have a maxilla. Uh, which for militia gives them plus one to combat resolution, and if they are trying to regroup, they roll at their normal leadership. 
We also gave them Frag Grenades and the Blade and Fury upgrade. Each one of those squads is 145 points base, which, again, for 50 bodies is... I mean, you just don't get cheaper than that. Uh, now, as I'm sure you noticed by now, this army doesn't have a lot of anti-armor yet, but we're trying to uh, rectify that with our fast attack choices. So, our fast attacks are going to be two full sentinel squads. So that's six sentinels each. Um, one would have the multi-meltas, which again, I think are only 10-point upgrade. And one would have las cannons. So you've got six las cannons, you've got six multi-meltas. For 30 points, you can give the squad hunter-killer missiles too, which is a nice alpha strike, particularly since these, these units have scout, so you can outflank them onto the side armor of an uh, enemy and fire all your hunter-killer missiles in addition to your normal weapons. It's a nice uh, bonus attack. And going down to our heavy support slots. Um, as you've noticed with the uh, with Zardu Lag, who's a pyromancy psyker, and the Ashen Circle, who are uh, who have those nifty hand flamers, uh, this is a, a flame-heavy list. So I chose uh, three Carnadon tanks as a heavy support choice. These would be fully kitted out with all the heavy flamers they could have, and they're dirt cheap. They're 180 points. Um, they're probably not going to last too long on the tabletop, but they might stick around long enough to do something entertaining. And, uh, you know, nine heavy flamers is nothing to laugh at, really, when you get down to it. Particularly against alpha striking armies and guys that use drop pots and the like. That could actually be a very useful unit. Um, and the last heavy support choice here is going to be uh, a Space Marine uh, heavy support choice at the Land Raider Achilles. So, as you know, Zardu Laic and his Blade Slaves, those are only three models. And sticking those guys out on foot, particularly when he's such an important model that you want to protect, um, it's a good idea to give him some protection. So, the Land Raider Achilles with a Dozer Blade, that's 280 points. Um, the, as you know, the Land Raider Achilles is by far the most durable of the Land Raiders. It reduces um, the AP of incoming attacks by one so your ap1 weapons become ap2 your ap2 weapons become ap dash uh, it's a very 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 useful upgrade and so it's a, a highly robust tank that actually has quite a bit of firepower to lend to it itself uh, and the last unit on this list is going to be the knight acheron in the lord of war choice so these guys, for 415 points, you've got a super heavy walker with that uh, Hellstorm flame template. Uh, so again, sticking with the fire theme, you can, you know, going with the fluff, you can say that your your inducted levy squads are, are, are venerating this uh, corrupted knight engine as a, uh, an avatar of the ruinous powers. And they're, they're worshipping it and following it blindly into battle. Um, so yeah, I, I think this is a, a pretty entertaining list. It, it might not be the most optimized. I wouldn't necessarily take this to the Excruciatus at Nova. But uh, in terms of fluff and entertainment and converting potential and just rule of cool, I think there's a lot there to work with. Plus, it does have plenty of uh, nasty surprises.
All right, we're going to move on. The second list is a Mechanicum list, specifically Legio Cybernetica, and they're going to be utilizing a militia allied detachment. So for those of you who don't have much experience playing Mechanicum or playing against Mechanicum, the Legio Cybernetica is a specific little offshoot of the uh, Mechanicum that specializes in battle automata. They make Castellacs, your compulsory troop choices. You have to take two Castellacs automata maniples, then they each must contain at least two automata. Um, and it gives your automata a nice boost in that your cortex controllers have a 24 inch range instead of 12 inches and all of your automata hit at plus one initiative so your vorax and your arl attacks are now initiative five and your uh, castellax and your domitars are now initiative four which is pretty great the one drawback i found with legio cybernetica lists is the lack of scoring units um, more often than not, uh, Cybernetica players just focus on tabling their opponent because they can bring so much firepower to bear that uh, they tend to neglect the scoring troop option because, you know, on the Mechanicum list, Thalax are good, but they're expensive. Um, and the uh, Tech Thralls are, they're okay. I mean, they're, they're dirt cheap and they can sit on objectives, but they're also just made of glass. So uh, they're pretty easy to take out if you focus any amount of firepower on them. But I included some uh, militia units in this army, and I think it'll be an interesting sort of play here. It'll have some unique advantages. So I'll just start going through it. Uh, starting off, of course, with the Archmagos Dominus. He is your compulsory HQ choice for a Legio Cybernetica list. So if you run Legio Cybernetica, you have to bring an Archmagos Dominus. He's got a Cyber Familiar for that 3-up Envol. Uh, Melt-a-Bombs, a Photon Gauntlet, which is nice because it causes blind checks, and a Machinator Array for 210 points. Uh, your second choice is going to be, of course, a Magos Dominus. You really, if you're running Legio Cybernetica, you need to have two uh, Cortex Controller-equipped models on the board, at least, because if your opponent takes out all your Cortex Controllers, they get plus however many victory points. So that's something you want to avoid. So you got the Magos Dominus, again with the Cyber Familiar, melt bombs a Photon Gauntlet, and a Machinator Array. I know it's a kind of similar loadout here, but uh, each of those are extremely useful pieces of war gear. Um, on your troop choices, you've got two separate maniples, each of four Castellax Automata. Each of them is going to have the advanced targeting array that gives them plus one ballistic skill as well as reducing the cover save of the models they're shooting at by one. Uh, the first maniple is going to have one siege wrecker and three power blades and just the stock Mauler bolt cannons for 530 points. The second maniple is going to be kind of your more long range shooting maniple that's got the enhanced targeting array but four dark fire cannons at 560 points. The dark fire is a wonderful weapon. It's heavy too, gets hot and blind, uh, and lance, which is wonderful because you're still, you know, shooting land raiders, shooting whatever. You're, you can still hurt them on uh, rolls of five or six, and with eight shots there, those are and hitting on twos, those are decent odds. On your fast attack choices here, you've got uh, two Arl attacks, automata with the arc scourges. Um, 
As Jason and Finn can attest, the Arl attacks are extremely intimidating models. They're tough, they're fast, and they're very deadly in close combat. Hey, sorry about the break there. My dog is being stupid. Um, Alright, going back through this list, we have the Arl attacks here. And in the heavy support slot, we have a Thanatar Sinus Automata. That's C-Y-N-I-S. I always think it sounds like sinuses. With an enhanced targeting array. That's 290 points. And the Thanatar Sinus, I've never actually seen anyone run them in a list. But uh, it's basically a variant of the... Now, the Thanatar Sinus is a variant of the basic Thanatar Automata. And instead of having one large plasma mortar, it's got two plasma ejectors, I think is what they're called. And basically, instead of a large blast template, you've got an 18-inch range, and it's two small blast templates. And it's got two of those, so each time it can fire four of these small blast templates. And instead of a twin-linked Mahler bolt cannon, it just has a normal Mahler bolt cannon. Uh, this is a really cool model, and it's particularly devastating if you've got like a Death Star unit, and there's just one squad, you know, it's your Prime Arc and Terminator, your, your Assault Squad, there's some unit that you absolutely have to take out. Because with uh, Cyberthurgy, say if you get the uh, Rite of Destruction, you can shoot these weapons twice, that can give you six shots, you know. Uh, of these small blast strength 8 AP2 templates all at once in one turn. And that is just devastating. So it's a great close-in heavy support choice. Um, I really think it deserves a model, far more than the one with that uh, big dinky LAS cannon on the, on the top. Um, so that's your Mechanicum element of this list. Now, go into your uh, Militia element. Notice... The Mechanicum had no scoring units whatsoever. So the Militia list, that's our big focus. Starting with the Force Commander, as usual, he's got a Charnaball Saber, a Plasma Pistol, because, you know, I think with a, a Mechanicum-oriented Militia list, you can, you know, spend the points, take some cool toys. Uh, Melta Bombs, the Planetary Overlord rule, Cyber Augmetics, and sur uh, Survivors of the Dark Age as your two provenances. Now, the Planetary Overlord rule is cool in that it lets your Warlord pick his Warlord trait. Now, that's a nice thing because, say, you can take... Uh, I forget which Warlord trait it is, but there's one that gives him scoring. It gives him implacable advance. So that's nice. So your Warlord, instead of just being your normal HQ, he now can score. Um, it's a useful little trick, especially when you're getting as many scoring units as you possibly can. And the provenance is here, Cyber Augmetics. That's basically your Mechanicum-themed automata, your guys that are affiliated with Forge Worlds, or uh, you know maybe work for a Manufactorum. So all of your militia add plus one to their invulnerable save. Now, obviously, most of them don't have an invulnerable save, so it just is a six-up. But your Force Commander now, he comes stock with a refractor field, so he's got a free four-up invul right there, which is nice. And Survivors of the Dark Age, uh, which... Being one of the most popular provenances gives you a plus one to your armor save, so your grenadiers are now in power armor, your uh, basic infantry squads are now in carapace armor, and it gives you access to uh, rhinos, land raiders for your grenadier squads, and gives you 
some more, uh, it lets you add strength to your LAS rifles, your LAS locks, your rotor cannons. Gives you some pretty, pretty cool toys for, uh, particularly for just mortal players. So that's your Force Commander, and with Survivors of the Dark Age, you're required to have your compulsory troop choices be filled with Grenadier squads. So we just took two Grenadier squads with Meltabomb on the Sergeant and Bolters on the whole squad. Dirt cheap. They're 100 points, and they are transported in a Rhino with a Dozer Blade, so 40 points. Um, again, these are cheap scoring units that can just hunker down on an objective, claim you victory points, while your opponent is tied up dealing with all these automata and all these tough, hard-hitting units that he's got to focus fire on. Um, on your one elite uh, slot here, you took an Ogren Brute Squad with two extra Ogrens. That's only 190 points. And these guys are literally just meat shields. I didn't give them any special anythings, no carapace armor, no nothing. They're just bodies, ablative wounds, because your force commander is going to go with them. So these guys can just run up to wherever. And they've got three wounds each. So that's 15 toughness five wounds that your opponent has to weather. And they've already got uh, four up invuls because they also benefit from the survivors of the Dark Age Providence. So that's a pretty tough unit as long as you're not getting shot at by uh, demolisher cannons or getting hit with dreadnoughts. So these guys can just hunker down on an objective and get you those points. And the one heavy support slot we took here is uh, three basilisk cannons. Sorry about that, can't talk. Three basilisk cannons for 225 points. And for the points, you're not going to get a much more effective shooting unit. Um, these guys, you know, they've got the basilisk gun, so they start at 36 inches out and they can hit pretty much anything on a normal size table. Um, with a Strength 9, AP3, Barrage, Large Blast template, which is great. And the, you know, what's awesome about the Militia Artillery is that you've got four wounds on each gun, and then you've got four gunners with the option to take even more gunners. So these guys, unless you pin them, unless you force them to run away or something, they're just going to stay there. And their toughness seven with a three-up armor save. Um, Austin and I have had games where we just poured fire into each other's. We each brought uh, two Medusa lines, and you know, after a turn or two, you maybe take out one. It's they take so much shooting to take out, and again for two hundred and twenty-five points. You know, the chief complaint I see out of out of uh, Astartes players that bring. You know, the Medusa tanks, the Basilisk tanks, is they're a glass cannon. They're so delicate. These guys can take shooting attacks all day and stay in the fight. It's a really, really, really good unit. So that's a 3,000-point that's a point list. So you got three scoring units there. Um, you still got a mess of automata and a fair amount of firepower. Um, and again, it fits nicely with fluff. There's every reason to... Uh, have militia with mechanicum you know any sort of uh mechanicum detachment would require a pretty sizable contingent of servitors and mortal technicians all sorts of uh, accompanying staff to uh go along with them so our last list we're going to go over is probably my favorite of 
ones here because I have a soft spot in my heart for the Raven Guard and their militia allies, the Therian Cohort. Uh, if you've read Raven's Flight or uh, Deliverance Lost, these guys make an appearance. They're a uh, militia detachment that was closely affiliated with the Raven Guard Legion during the Great Crusade. They served alongside Corvus Corax and the Raven Guard, and they served with distinction. So this is a militia detachment that focuses on the Therian cohort and depicts them as faithfully as I could, and has a Raven Guard allied detachment making use of the Liberation Force Right of War. Um, now this is drawn straight from the fluff. Um, at the end of, uh... Alright, sorry about all the breaks, Jesse here. So the end of the novel, uh, Deliverance Lost, sees the Raven Guard and the uh, Therian Cohort sort of begin this campaign of liberating worlds that were under the heel of Horus and the Traitor Legions. Uh, and the Therian Cohort, um, particularly when they were assaulting, say, the, uh, was it the Perfect Fortress, the Impossible City, I think it was the Perfect Fortress, held by the Emperor's children, um, the Therian Cohort often has the uh, dubious distinction of providing kind of meat shields for the Raven Guard. Um, and, you know, allowing the Legion to use their stealth and ambush tactics to the maximum effect. So I wrote a list that kind of reflects that right of war and those tactics that are displayed in the books. Um, and let's just start going through it. Uh, so starting off with the uh, Force Commander, as always. Um, and, you know, writing him in mind, I, I had, uh, uh, I believe it Marcus Valerius is the uh, head of the Therian cohort, a proud, staunchly loyal warrior. Um, just the, uh, these guys I always viewed as kind of the, the prototype to the Imperial Guard. So it's Force Commander with a blast pistol, Charnaball Saber, um, Melta Bombs, an Iron Halo, a Planetary Overlord rule. And uh, for that, I, I personally would choose the Beloved of the People rule, which means that if your Force or uh, your force Commander gets taken out, all your units for the duration of the game benefit from hatred. Basically, they're mad that their, their general was laid low, so they're trying to take it out on their opponent. And the two provenances that would go with this force are Warrior Elite and Feral Warriors. So I always kind of imagine the Therian cohort as sort of the uh, Napoleonic Redcoats. They're described as having very red uniforms and just this proud warrior tradition. So I, I kind of pictured them as, you know, the uh, Napoleonic era, Battle of Waterloo type uh, force, you know, big Shaco hats, fancy uniforms, you know, robust mortal warriors. Um, so with the warrior elite provenance, you get plus one leadership to a maximum of nine. So it more or less makes your guys at space marine levels of morale, which is extremely useful. And feral warriors, which again, uh, makes gives them plus one to weapon skill, and you can have plus one attack too if you pay for blade and fury. Um, again, a very nice upgrade here. So we'll just start going through it. Your troop choices will consist of three of the basic infantry squads. So that's 60 guys, melt bombs on the sergeant, power weapon on the sergeant. Now I know that's not optimal, but given the uh, 
the provenances we took. I found it appealingly fluffy. Uh, Vexillas on the uh, in the squads as well, and each of them would be equipped with Laslock, so that's a strength four. 18-inch shooting attack, which is a nice bonus, particularly since it's assault, so you can shoot and then charge right into combat. Uh, crack grenades on the whole squad, and again, that Blade and Fury upgrade. So, that's a lot of extra war gear, and each of those squads is still only 125 points. Uh, keeping with the uh, troop choice here, we've got the uh, Grenadier squad with uh, eight extra grenadiers, a melted bomb and power weapon on the sergeants, Vexilla as well, of course, uh, bolt guns on the whole whole squad, and then two extra grenadiers equipped with melted guns. So that's sort of your you know, elite household retinue for your force commander. Those are your, your top tier guys who are best equipped and, and uh, most courageous. Uh, and your elite squad just um, four of the basic medics uh, for that's 50 points uh, now looking at the heavy support slots uh, it's mentioned in uh, the books particularly the most recent novel to come out uh, heralds of the siege that uh, the therian cohort has access to a capital imperialis which uh, for those of you who don't know i had to google it myself is basically a massive tank it's it's depicted going toe-to-toe -to -toe with reaver titans um basically a mountain on treads that has a gigantic cannon on top it's, it's just a moving fortress um so these guys i imagined having ha as having a lot of access to heavy armor you know the the big you know big armored columns so we've got here uh under your heavy support slots. Two full squads of Lehman Rust tanks. The first squad is going to have demolisher cannons, three las cannons, and three dozer blades. So those are your heavy, heavy support anti-armor units. Um, you know, nobody likes getting shot at by demolisher cannons. Um, those guys are just going to move up to support your, your infantry squads who are just going to be charging straight forward towards the enemy. Um, the second squad is going to have just your basic uh, Lehman Russ cannon, and then the heavy bolt responses, heavy uh, a hull-mounted heavy bolter, and then three extra multi-lasers, which are pintle-mounted. So these are your common wording, your your DACA tanks. These are just pouring out shots. Um, the normal uh, Lehman Russ battle cannon is nothing to laugh at. It's strength 8, AP 3 ordnance, so you've decent against anti-armor, but also dishing out uh, a lot of wounds to uh, infantry. And then just volume of fire. So each of these tanks is going to have nine heavy bolter shots and then three from the multi-laser. So that's, that's a lot of extra shots. That's 36 strength 5 or better shots just pouring into the enemy you're only hitting on fours but you're going to cause a lot of wounds and then you've got those uh three battle cannon shots as well going on top of that now in the lord of war slot uh i took a bane blade here and i'm not even that crazy about bane blades i wasn't until i saw ryan bridges at the uh Istvan game but uh you know the bane blade here 
it is meant to be almost a, a symbolic um, you know the, the command edifice the, the center of your battle line you know providing an inspiring presence to the men as anything else but also the uh, Bane Blade cannon is nothing to laugh at. So the Bane Blade doesn't even have any of the side sponsors, no extra weapons. It's just got the st all the stock weapons plus armored ceramite and the command tank upgrade. So you've got your normal militia guys who have the plus one leadership, but now they've got the command tank upgrade. So even if they're, if they're within 24 inches of this tank, they can reroll any failed morale checks. That is a huge upgrade. If, uh, if you're looking at running militia lists, if you're building militia lists, if you have a super heavy who can take that option, do it. Just 100% take that. It's the best 25 points you'll ever spend if you're running a mortals list. All right, now going to our allied detachment. This is where things get a little interesting. So you, obviously this is going to be a Raven Guard allied detachment, and they're running the Liberation Force Rite of War. And this is a, a Rite of War that, you know, a lot of people weren't very impressed with, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's so catered to the fluff, but you know, there aren't that many militia players out there who also are Raven guard players. There's just not a lot of, uh, a lot of people out there running this right of war, but it gives you some unique, uh, traits and, and it is particularly useful. I think so. So this right of war makes it so that once per game, uh, your detachment can benefit from Zealot, which is nice. Zealot's never a bad thing. But then also, any militia squads that are, are accompanying this detachment, if they are within six inches of a Raven Guard model, are fearless. Now that's very cool. So you've got these guys who are already brave, already by mortal standards, just extremely brave. But then... Now you made them fearless. Now they can go up against dreadnoughts and just get pulped turn after turn, but they're tarpitted because they're fearless. Um, I ran this right of war with a similar list, not not uh, exactly this against Stephen and his night lords, and it this rule kept me in the fight. Um, it really it was a it was a really surprising game because he had such a, a heavy you know melee heavy force. But my mortal guys would just not run away because they were fearless. Um, so going through this allied detachment, we've got a Praetor, Paragon Blade, Iron Halo, Melta Bombs, and a Jump Pack. So your basic, uh, you know, Raven Guard Praetor, your assault heavy guy. Uh, on your troop slot, you've got two tax squads, so just twenty bodies. And again, I, you know, on the table, I would spread them out as far as I could, or maybe even infiltrate them onto an objective. You know, giving them support for the uh, militia bodies that are coming in. These guys would just have your basic close combat weapons and melt a bomb on the sergeants. 150 points, super basic. They're mainly there just to provide extra bodies and to boost the militia who are already going with them. And last unit in this list is your your dagger, your, uh, you know, your, your assassin's blade, the Dark Fury Assault Squad. And with the points available, I could only take six of them. Uh, Melta bombs on the sergeant. That's two hundred and ten points. Um, but as we've we've noted before, the Dark Fury Assault Squad is probably for the Legionis Astartes units probably the nastiest assault unit available. These guys 
game after game after game, year after year, have done wonderful work for me. Um, with six models, you got 24 mastercrafted rending attacks on a charge, hitting an initiative five. They are just mean, mean, nasty guys. And they're dual lightning claws, so they've got... Uh, sorry, dual Raven's Talons, so you've got Rending and Shred. They're just really, really good units. So they can be accompanied by the Praetor. And so you've got, you know, uh, a threat coming in, be it an enemy Death Star, be it uh, an enemy Praetor or a Primarch. These guys can come in and, and do some good work for you. So that's the list here. I hope this gave everybody some decent ideas, and I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for your time. And we're back in recording. Okay, so uh, wrapping up tonight's episode. Uh, Ryan, you want to talk about the uh, Maryland game this weekend? That's right. Um, so just a quick wrap-up. Uh, <clears throat> Evan Sturman is one of the event organizers for Maryland 30K. Ran an event, which was the Omega Prime Hera charity event. And it was uh, designed to raise money for the Operation Pause for Homes, which is a nonprofit that uh, helps find, I guess, owners for dogs and cats that don't have homes. Um, so unfortunately, I was not able to attend the event because I had the CK Studio class. And then at the same time, the muster was going on. So, you know, the event probably drew fewer people than we would have liked because a lot of people were divided. Um, but it, we did get 10 folks, and uh, it was a raffle-type deal, so you could buy raffle tickets. We had some models that were donated by some of the Maryland 30K event organizers, and also from the store, games and stuff, donated a model. So uh, they were able to play three games of 1850 uh, amongst the 10 folks. Uh, on raffle, we had a Pravian. A Vigilator, Plasma Mortat, and a Thousand Suns Castellac Sakia. Uh, so those were the raffle prizes, and those are all the the new. Um, well, I guess the Mortat, sorry, the Vigilator and the uh, Pravian are the new ones that just came out, and then the Mortat was the Plasma Jump Pack one from Forge World. Um, and they raised three hundred and fifty dollars for uh, Operation Pause for Homes, which was pretty good, you know. Um, I'm really digging the uh, charity events, um, and I'm liking that people are picking a charity that's near and dear to their heart if they're running an event, and then you know doing the best they can to raise some money. So every little bit helps these days, I think. And so I know Evan was pretty pleased with that. Um, we had some best sportsman uh, was Ryan. C, not me, uh, <laughs> playing some salamanders. And then uh, best painted was Ray Wickham. He had his blood angels that he's been working really hard on. They're those nice, uh, kind of the weathered blood angels that Little Legend Studios does. I know he's he's getting some Patreon coaching from that. Um, yeah, so we had some new players that showed up, which was really cool. 
And I just wanted to give Evan a shout and a thank you uh, for running that event for us, even though uh, some of the Maryland guys were not able to attend. I really appreciate it. That's pretty much it. All right. Very cool stuff. Any final plugs before we wrap this up from anybody? Uh, I will say uh, for the Nova Open Charity Foundation, some big news that just came out is, uh, and they posted it in their newsletter, is that this year CK Studios will be doing a Warlord Titan. So all seven of their painters will be contributing to this Warlord Titan, much like the one they did last year. Last year, I think they raised, uh, or they made $14,000 on the Warlord Titan raffle. They're hoping to get at least the same or more. Um, So keep an eye out for that. I'm sure it's going to be really cool, and they they will probably post work-in-progress pics of that as they go. Well, with that being said, thank you all for listening. Um, We got some shirts up on the uh, web store now, if you guys are interested. We got some cool stuff up there. We have the old... uh, I don't know the rules, I just play the game, which I, I love that quote from somebody. And, Anonymous uh, Remembrance shirt. That's right. Uh, it's, uh, it's an awesome shirt, and if there's anything you guys are interested in that you'd like to see posted on in our web store, just let me know, and I'll uh, try to make it happen. Once again, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm still poking around with that a little bit more. And uh, yeah, I'd say that's uh, that's a night. So thank you guys for joining me today, Ryan, Austin. A pleasure as always. Thank you, sir. All right, and from the Remembrancers Retreat, my name is Jesse. Have a good night and keep those dice rolling. Bye bye. <laughs>